You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome to another episode of Gifted with Sheila White, where we talk to individuals using their unique talents to impact the world. We talk to people in health and wealth and entertainment, relationships and spirituality. I am grateful that you tuned in today to get some empowering information and to meet someone who can encourage you to live a better life. But before we get into today's conversation, I would like for you to share this podcast with your family and friends for new content every week. When we come back, we'll be talking to a gifted individual who inspires, uplifts, and entertains audiences around the world. We'll talk to her about her journey and the lessons she's learned. Imagine yourself being pampered from head to toe, surrendering to the aromas of sweet serenity. Welcome to Libby's Soaps and Candles, your destination for comfort and relaxation begins here. Visit us at Libby'sSoapsAndCandles.com to learn more about our exotic products. My guest today is a very special person, and she is a VIP. Though she faced many extreme physical health challenges of lupus, and she's a recipient of a kidney, she is a survivor. This young woman has let, not let anything or anyone stand in the way of her achieving her dreams. I was touched by her incredible story, and I am inspired by her endless courage. She is teaching all of us of what it means to be beautiful inside and out. And besides all of this, she is a model extraordinaire and she is a Whitney Houston tribute artist. Welcome Cherie Yvette Withers, AKA Whitney Houston to the show. Hello, baby. How are you? How is everyone? Oh, my goodness. I told you I had to tell the director to bring me a tissue because I love this girl. You know what, Cherie? Let's go back a little bit um, into the backstory about your story. What were the early signs of lupus? Let's talk about that first. What were some of the early signs that you said, hey, something's going on here? I'm not really sure of what's happening. Believe it, nothing. That's why mm. everybody is amazed. I was perfectly fine. Um, I'm going to put it like this. If you keep the storyline, mm -hmm. on a Thursday, I had a urinary tract infection, which is kind of common with most okay. women. Okay. And that's on a, I was on a Thursday, and I work at a medical center as a nutritionist full time. Okay. okay. But, and so I went to the lab, and they, the doctor sent me to do some labs. Mm. So that same day, they told me that I did have a tract infection, so they prescribed some antibiotics. So I started my antibiotics on Thursday. So by Friday, they rechecked my numbers and it said something still wasn't right. So they wanted me to do a 24-hour urine. Okay. So I did that as well. And I brought that back in on Saturday. So if you keep up with the time, it's only been Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Exactly. So came, yeah. So I came back to work on Monday, wasn't feeling well. And prior to that, two weeks before, 
I wasn't eating. So I just thought it was a cold or something like that. My mother mm. kept saying two weeks prior, something's not right because you're not eating, you sluggish, wow. you know, and she said, and if something doesn't happen, I'm going to send you to the hospital to find out what's wrong. So she didn't have to do that because by that Monday, mm -hmm. I went to work. They sent me home by 12 o'clock. They told me to come back to work. They had my results from my 24 hour urine test. Okay. And they told me to pack a bag. I'm like, what am I packing a bag for? Wow. Said, do not drive. Just pack a bag, come back to work and we need to talk to you. Okay. So that's when um, I went back to work. My neighbor took me to, to work. And okay. then three doctors, three of my, you know, friend doctors came in because I was at work and they were telling yeah. me, you are in renal failure. I'm like, renal failure? How did I go from a UTI to renal failure? Wow. My, my pee was dark chocolatey in color. So like chocolate oh. milk. And you know, your pee should not be that dark. Exactly. Exactly. So mm. evidently, mm. we found out when I went to the hospital that the antibiotic they gave me, I was allergic to, which flared up the lupus oh. I did not know I had, which that's what put me in renal failure over those couple of days. Because I was, you know, taking the medicine over that weekend. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because you said that you, you didn't have any symptoms. You didn't know. You just felt, I'm tired. I'm, I just I'm not. I had a cold. And yeah. My UTI was here. My UTI, my pee was a little dark. Yeah. It wasn't normal, but it was a little darker than normal. So I thought okay. it was part of the UTI. See, that's the thing that is almost like alarming because a lot of people are walking around as a time bomb. It's a ticking time bomb. And until something triggers and something happens, they're not even aware of how serious, you know, how serious it could be. What happened when what after they told you about the diagnosis of lupus? What about the flare ups? You know, something that just kind of happens. What, what was that like? Right. So when I was in the hospital, they found explained to me after they did a kidney biopsy. Mm. That says I, and, and they started actually let me back up that Monday. Yeah. Okay, they admitted me. They admitted mm -hmm. me. Okay, and they were nervous because my actually all my organs were were failing. They didn't even tell me that afterward. So this wow. is how bad that medication they gave me affected me because I didn't know I had lupus. Wow. And so wow. now I found out number one, I'm allergic to sulfur, so I can't take any medications or antibiotics with sulfur because I will flare, okay. and that'll mm. happen. Wow. Um. So since they were didn't know what to do or what was wrong. They gave me chemotherapy that day. They started me on dialysis that day. They gave me mm. phoresis that day. They mm. gave me like a whole list of things. I guess my body was breaking down so quickly and so fast they were trying yeah. to get me stable. They also did a biopsy and that's how they found out I had dialysis. I mean, I had uh, lupus. Lupus, yeah, yeah. And that's when they explained that with that diagnosis, I would have to, you know, continue with dialysis mm -hmm. and that that's what they, and that's what they call a flare. And I had okay. my first flare, which was me having this big reaction. So wow. to wow. carry on, like, let's say two years after they finally got me stable, I mm -hmm. had another flare. So that flare, we don't know where it came from, but so for me, when I flare and I get out of control, it affects my kidney. So think of like, a, you know how you scratch a chalkboard? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes that noise we don't like to hear. Yeah. So every time my body gets out of control and I have a lupus with the diagnosis as a flare, it scratches my kidney because I have lupus nephritis. So it scratches my kidney. So every time I kept having flares, it was damaging my kidneys. So oh my, my second big, yeah, so my second big flare. So for me, I had, I have to do chemotherapy. I forgot that too. They started that back in, in 98. Wow, wow. That's the only thing to control me is I have to go through chemotherapy and mm. the pills that they give you don't work for me. 
So mm. every time I flare, it's because it's so it's so deep. Now, what causes that the flare? Because there's a lot of people out there listening, and like you said, you you you're in a situation where it could happen to anybody. Anybody at any time could could become, you know, could get lupus for different reasons. It just kind of shows up. And then we talk about the flares, things happening that really affects the severity of the inside of your body with your organs. And then they put you on medication and all the medications, there's side effects from the medications. And I know that people have any kind you're on a medication, you can have a side effect, but which could be life altering, life changing. It it could be, you know, it could be intimate, you know, it could be really serious. And so a lot of people don't realize it's not like a quick fix. I can just get on medication because your body could reject it or you could be allergic. Which which is more severe, you know, situations that you're, then you're experiencing. What does lupus? How does it affect a person's daily life? Now you have this diagnosis, and they're treat. You got different treatments that you're going through. The flares may happen. Help people understand what what your daily life is like with lupus, because we're going to get into the the better part of it. But help people understand what it's like just their daily life with lupus. Are they tired, or you know, how does it affect you? Well, I'll put it this way. Uh-huh. We're all individuals. Yeah. Because I'm part of a living life with lupus support group where we, before COVID, you know, we used to meet all the time and okay. everybody tell their stories, you know, every mm-hmm. month. Yeah. So for me, I'll put it this way. I think I'm always tired. I can get as much rest as I want to. That's a big one with okay. most lupus patients. You'll hear that a lot. Right. Okay. Um, now, the other part for me, I'm okay every day. Now, my mm. friends who have lupus, they're in pain. Oh, okay. Their joints okay. hurt. Okay. They get okay. swelling all the time. Okay. They're getting okay. some hair loss. They might yeah. be getting dryness yeah. of the I get dryness of the skin. Not yeah. that much. Yeah. Just here yeah. and there. Yeah. Dryness of the skin. Like my doctors told me, and I've been to the Mayo Clinic. I've been mm. everywhere. Okay. And they okay. told me, you are not a book. Everything that we think is going to happen to a patient, you do the total opposite. And they had to wow. learn that the hard way. Because mm. I kept telling them things that were going on, they were doing. I'm like, this is not working. I'm not, this is not, mm. I'm not the regular patient. And they found that out. So, wow, wow. That's why, you know, every person's kind of different. But for me, the tiredness, which is across the board, I'm always tired. Mm. <laughs> I don't care mm. how much sleep I get. Wow. You know, wow. So, and even being a nutritionist, knowing what to eat and what to put in your body and to feed yourself at the cellular level. Mm-hmm. It's still there was those challenges there because a lot of people don't know what to do and they think there's something they're eating is causing it. And, and for, but even being a nutritionist and having that knowledge, you're still battling with trying to, like you said, get the right rest and put the right nutrients in and things like that to, to feed the body and things like that. Wow. Wow. You know what, with, with what you're saying, I'm, I'm, cause we've heard about people having lupus. People say, you know, they're tired or like you said, there's joints are hurting. What are the misconceptions out there? Because like you said, you didn't even know you had it and then boom, it's, it hits you. What are some of the misconceptions that people think I have this, I'm going to die. I have this. I don't, I can't eat the same. I can't live. A f- what are those misconceptions out there for people that have been diagnosed with lupus? Cause I know you said you're in a support group and I know that helps hearing other stories, being in a support group of people living their life, you know, with, with lupus as a survivor, as a survivor. But what are some of the misunderstandings that you have maybe heard people say that have been diagnosed with lupus? Well, people with lupus one, 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they look at us and say, you're not sick because we don't look sick. Wow. That's a big one. <laughs> that's a huge one. <laughs> that's Man, a big one. You really don't. You can walk around. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, which is so funny, Sheila. I wow. went yesterday. Wow. To, I went, yes, I went to Walmart yesterday to take some medication. Mm-hmm. And I had my lupus stickers on my car and my gift of hope. Yeah. I went to my car. I was getting into my car. And this lady was beeping the horn. She was in the car right next to me. She said, where did you get those stickers? Mm-hmm. And I told her where I, if I could remember where I got my little magnets from. Exactly. She said, I have lupus. Now, see? Yeah. She said, oh, my God, this is amazing. So she was talking to me and looking at me. I was at Walmart and my stickers all on my car. Wow. She wow. Right. Pulled up. She's like, wow, you look really good. I said, yeah. And I just got off of dialysis yesterday and I'm coming up here. to." Pick. She said, nobody would ever know that. That so is a huge. Oh, my gosh. Nobody yeah, be- would you know, but people that have disabilities, as, say, as an example, on the sidebar right now, if they're missing a leg or missing a limb or they have a prosthetic um, or in a wheelchair or, um, you know, something like that, you can say, OK, well, this person has an issue or disability or something like that kind of going on. But that is, like you said, a really big thing. The fact that you could have that condition and people not know. Um, and I love the fact that you're saying you have the stickers, you know, you you, you have things to let people know. Oh, man, because the fact that the lady pulls up and say, wait a minute, you don't even look like you have this issue. And that was and that was an advocate. You were being an advocate saying I have this sticker um, on my car to let people know so that you can have that conversation uh, and things like that. This is the thing. This lady has this lupus. She, you know, she's in a car. You're next to her. You're putting things in your car. What would you say if that particular person or or someone was newly diagnosed with lupus? Because you've been there, done that. You are a survivor. And we're going to find out what that means. But what do you say to someone that has been newly diagnosed with lupus? Because you've you've had a journey. You know, you've had some tests and some trials and you've tried some things and worked with doctors right. and things like that. What do you say to a person that has been hit with that di- diagnosis? They're not in a support group yet. They're not in the support group yet. What would you say to them? Well, what I have said, because this happened, because mm. I have yeah. my lupus uh, mask on, too. And people come up to me and say, I have lupus and just mm. diagnosed. First thing wow. I tell them is, one, you know, you have to think positive. Okay. Don't say any negative thoughts. You have to be a patient advocate for for yourself, which I mean by that is you're mm. not an expert as a doctor, but when you talk to your mm. doctor, don't let them run you. Meaning, mm. like I had to tell them I'm not a book, so wow. I know my body, yeah, and I will yeah. work with you as my doctor, but you listen to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I tell yeah. them, yeah. you know, listen, mm. ask questions about your medication. Wow. wow. You know, make sure you understand your medications. When they switch mm. and ask them why, just don't mm-hmm. say, okay, because that's what happened to me. Something very bad happened when they switched my medication. Mm. And um, when things like when if anything changes in your body, call. Don't think it's a wrong yeah. question or anything right. like that. Right, and, right. You know, mm. find some wow. support and mm. call me. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's it's so amazing because you know a lot of people aren't advocates. You know, you're talking about it. You have stickers about it. You're sharing your information. You're sharing your story with people. A lot of people get 
a certain type of diagnosis and they go into a rabbit hole. They don't want their family to even know what's going on with them. And, 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 you know, what do you say to those people that they're kind of hiding? They're like, I, I don't look sick. I don't want you to know that I'm sick. I don't want you to feel bad for me. Um, you know, what do you say to those people? Because we need support. People need support. You know, I've had two people in my family, um, that, that needed three actually that needed a, a, a kidney that needed a transplant. And at first it was like, nobody said anything until things got worse. And then it's like the family. What do you say to people that, that need to share? They need support and they need to go get support, but they're afraid to, to let someone know. Right. Well, mm-hmm. people that I have talked to in that mm-hmm. arena as well. Yeah. I tell them, first of all, you have to tell somebody because you're going to mm-hmm. need a sounding board, meaning stress wow. will kill us because stress affects our lupus and you can flare up. And when you hold that stuff in, you don't believe mm-hmm. it's hurting you. But when mm-hmm. you do your labs and things like that, you don't see it on the surface, but they will see it in your labs and you're going to flare up. That's wow. number one. So found one good friend. I don't care who it is. Somebody needs to go. Then you do wow. need to tell your family don't have to be the yeah. whole world, but right, right, a right, right. People, because mm. when things happen, you don't want to wait to its point of no return. Wow, you want it wow. in the process so that mm. they can understand what's happening, and if anything goes wrong, or if you need somebody's help, because you will at some point. Yeah, and yeah. You have those people. You don't want it where they just find it out. Then they're gonna be mad at you, and you got to get through that for a couple of days. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Like when yeah. you didn't tell me, and I'm telling. So why go through all that when at least a couple of people, at least two yeah. two people need to yeah. know what's yeah. going yeah. on with you yeah. and, and keep you yeah. abreast. So that's yeah. that's the best advice. They have to get people involved. And don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? So they wow. know and what? Mm, and what? Yeah, yeah. Keep keep just it, it's it's a part of life. It's something that's around universal. Every country, everywhere you go, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, Sherry, let's take a little turn for a moment and talk about kidneys. Um, you know, what was your challenge in the beginning with kidneys? Because this lupus thing comes along, you're like, okay, God, what's happening? What's going on here? Then you know, then then, then the kidney situation. Where did that begin with you, with the kidneys? When I went to the hospital that Monday, then they really? put a cath- catheter in like I have in now because I'm in Dallas yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I, w- I woke up. I woke up and this was in and uh, mm-hmm. they started me on dialysis. I'm like, what is this for? They said, because you're in renal failure. So we have to, so they had to explain to me what it was and how many times a week mm. to filter. And mm. so that was my first uh, adventure. Experience. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what happened with me. Once mm. I was left the hospital, I guess I was in the hospital for about a week and a half. I okay. Was on dialysis. okay. I was on dialysis yeah. for about a month. Mm. And within that month, for some reason, my kidneys opened back up. I told you I'm not a book. So my kidneys opened back up. So I guess it was getting rid of all that medicine and whatever. But my okay. kidneys decided to start back working 100%. Mm. Okay. So they took me off of dialysis and mm-hmm. they also put in, because in your arm, they put what they call a fistula in, yeah, a long-term yeah. dialysis. Yep. They had put that in also, but mm-hmm. I never used it because my kidneys opened back up. Wow. So they kept it in my arm for a year because they didn't believe that my kidneys hit. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's what I'm telling you. Don't <laughs> let the doctors run you. They wow. didn't believe that after a month, my kidneys would open up and stay open. Plus what my mm. lupus doing, what it was doing. So it did. So after a year, they took it out because they yeah. trusted that everything was good. But then like again, two out, two years later, I flared back up. My kidneys didn't get damaged where I was on, I had to go on dialysis, but it did mm. shut me down really bad. 
Mm-hmm. I had to start chemo again. Okay. And I was fine. Then two years again after that, then it scarred my kidneys enough where I had to start back on dialysis. So wow. that's when I put my catheter back in. I yeah. had chemo again. Mm-hmm. And that's when they said, I think it's time for you to see if we can find you a donor because all these three flares you had over the years have, you know, like a chalkboard that kept yeah. scarring and yeah. scarring and scarring yeah. my kidney. Yeah. And that's when my brother, my only sibling, he wanted to try to test. He yeah. ended up being my perfect match. So I was wow. grateful. Mm, wow. You know, t- let's talk a little bit about when you talk about, you know, dialysis versus transplant. What what are the differences, things on those two? Because a lot of people don't know. Um, oh, yeah. They don't know the difference with those. They just know, OK, a person said they're on dialysis and a person says they need right. a transplant. Right. The, the, the bottom line is still the same. But what is this the little difference for people to understand that? Oh, huge difference. So, OK. Okay. I put when my kidneys fail, when you're in renal yeah. failure, yeah. the kidneys yeah. are not working. It's not filtering out the bad stuff. Right. So right. The analysis right. is when they put ports in so they can take your blood out okay. and clean it. Okay. So your prescription okay. for each person is different on how much, you know, bacteria, your oh, all those things. Okay. Okay. So technically it's your lifeline. It's keeping you mm. alive. It's doing what your kidneys can't do. Wow. So that's wow. why you have to come three days a week, you know, every other day. You know, so mm. it's filtering. So it's not replacing yeah. your kidney. Yeah. yeah. So this is, to me, it's in my way. <laughs> I got things to do. Yeah. But yeah. I have to come three days a week. Mm-hmm. So when you get a transplant, think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. This goes away because you have another kidney to replace yours. Okay. It's going to finish the work. So you won't okay. need the catheter anymore. And mm. you're free. So I've yeah. been free yeah. for 17 and a half years. Wow. It's been 17 and a half years. Yeah, that I haven't. So I felt, you know, I didn't have to come here to dialysis. Mm. You know, your life is really the same. Yeah, it's yeah. back to normal. But this, wow. it disrupts. I'm not yeah. saying I'm happy yeah. about it, but I'm not going to yeah. be negative about it. But, right, right, right. You know, I just have to adjust some things. Right, right. Now, w- what happens to a person that maybe they have had a transplant? You said. If there was a rejection or, um, you know, you mentioned your brother, you, you had some situations where you had to go backwards a little bit, few steps and things like that. What happens? I know there's different medication that you take or what happens with that with the person? Yeah, well, when you do have a transplant, mm-hmm. you have to get on what they call anti-rejection meds. Okay. Because even okay. though people match you, mm. it's still a foreign object in your body that you're, you still have to kind of trick mm-hmm. the body. That's what they call it, a foreign object, even though okay. they match you. Okay. So you have to okay. take uh, anti-rejection pills for the rest of your life, mm. as long as you mm. have your transplant. Wow. And they have to wow. adjust those medications. So they check the blood work all the time. Mm. You know, they make mm-hmm. sure that you still stay healthy. You have to really watch your blood pressure. That's your blood thing. pressure. That's a you huge thing. Could you have blood pressure issues as well with that oh, because of that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, okay. And actually, okay. here here at dialysis, mm. most a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. On dialysis because their blood pressure stayed so high for so long, it damages your kidneys. Oh, no, for okay. me, it's my lupus. But so now, let's say I get my transplant, they okay. still want to make sure that you have a good blood pressure. Yeah. But wow. since I've gotten lupus for some mm-hmm. reason, my pressure, I never had high blood pressure until I was diagnosed with lupus. Mm. So I guess it's because I have issues with my kidneys. They weren't doing everything they should. So they had me on blood pressure meds just to make sure they, they stayed stable. Right. So that's right. the biggest thing now. So uh-huh. I'm on like different combinations of blood pressure meds just to make sure. Mm. But that's the okay. biggest thing. We got to wow. make sure your pressure stays good because yeah. 
that'll knock out one, your chances to get a transplant or oh. it'll affect your kidney. And I've been in remission for my lupus since right yeah. before my transplant. So I've been yeah. blessed with that. I've had no yeah. flares or nothing since 2003 mm. or four. Okay. Okay. Now th- that brings me to a really important point because what you said, you're obviously, you're a person of faith because gone what you've gone through and experiencing the pains, the highs, the lows over the years of different things happening. How has your faith played a role in all of this situation? And this, Besides God, we know you, who do you turn to? Who do you who do you get motivation from just to keep going, to stay positive? Because it's a lot. It's a full plate. That's a full plate. Mm-hmm. Praying, go to church every Sunday. Um, mm. Catholic. Yeah. But doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the priest that we had, man, he is a joy. I mean, he keeps me motivated. Yeah. He's always, you know, he'll put something in a bulletin saying, you know, he put up my link regarding the transplant if you're wow. interested and things wow. like that. Or, wow. You know, tell me to think positive and, mm. and things like that. You know, besides wow. my parents, of course. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just grew up that way. I mean, trust mm. me, my parents get on my nerves. They're so positive and I want to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> it don't work. It don't oh work. Even, wow. even when I was younger, it's like they're always positive, positive. You know how you want to be mad and you still mm. try to be positive. So wow. up to this day, then you, Sheila, you might have seen my parents. Yeah, I have. I have. Your mom is awesome. Your dad, too. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, you ain't got no choice but to be happy or just get over it or just not in a bad way, get over it. But, yeah. But yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to do this. I mean, mm. I've done this far. I, I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. I don't even know the half. I mean, I've lost my man. hair. I, could, I couldn't yeah. walk for eight months. Oh, man. put me out so bad. I could not walk. I had to rewalk. I had mm. to go to therapy for eight months. I was swollen to 164 pounds. And you know, I'm not that big. Wow. Wow. I had to, I had to buy a pair of like 12 jeans just mm. so I could have a pair of pants. And I had to wear flip flops because I was so huge. And mm. I've been through a lot. So yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. Yeah, I'll be all right. (laughs) But, you know, that's the important thing we want to let people know, because faith has an important role in this. You know, having a faith in someone other than yourself, when you're going through difficulties, when you're having test trials on the days you feel like giving up, you have to know that there is a power greater than you. And you have to depend on that power. And you have to know that things are going to get better because there is someone that you can talk to. If you have nobody else um, that you can talk to, you can talk to God. You can talk to him about what's going on. And it's important as you said to 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 be in a support group, you know, and things like that as well. And to talk to people, family, friends, let someone know what you're going through because you don't have to suffer alone. And that's the reason why we wanted to hear your story, because it's not just one issue. There's multiple issues. But, you know, it's it's so amazing, Sherry, because amidst it all, you know, you remain positive. You keep going. You're nonstoppable and things like that on the good days and the bad days. And you have plenty to complain about, but you don't. You just keep going and keep pushing and things like that. And and so people need to hear your story. They need to be inspired by you. They need to know that you can continue to go on, that you can be a lupus survivor and that you can take it with ease and speed of spirit and not give up and not give out and things like that. You know, um, I just want everybody to know out there that you can be an own and donor. You know, you can join, um, you know, Sherry's on the list. You can join this, the donor list, the transplant list. Even the only thing you have to do is just go to the secretary of state. You know, I know every time you go there, they have, they ask you that question, but this is something that's very, very important. And, um, 
you know, we want you to know that you need to do this. Um, think about this, consider it because there are thousands of people that are out there and they're waiting on a transplant only because there's not enough people that are signed up on this registry. Um, this is a person that who has changed so many lives, has brought so many smiles up to people's faces because in the midst of all this, she is a model. And I mean, a model extraordinaire, beautiful. I mean, sought out model. People want her to put on their clothes just because it makes their clothes look better. It uplifts them. And this is what she does. And not only that, folks, but what she does is she is a Whitney Houston tribute artist. And I mean, it is like Whitney again. Okay. When you see her perform and the heart that she has and the shows that she puts on, you feel the spirit of Whitney there in the room. And it makes you want to clap your hands, tap your feet, have a good time because she gives you a hundred percent. She plays full out. She plays full court. And I love that. And, and, and she has such a generous heart about her. Um, and it's just, you know, all of these things that are happening to her, like I said, she is beauty inside and she's beauty outside as well and the fact that all of these things are happening but she's still generous in her heart to want to share she goes to dialysis she's a lupus survivor and she's still putting a smile on people's faces and this is something that is very important that we want you all to take notice of because she is a hero she's a shero okay she is a shero because she's doing all of this with heels on <laughs> as they say she's doing all of this with heels on and i am so so proud of you um i'm so proud of your journey i'm so proud proud of you of the lessons you've learned how you're helping people like you said if somebody pulls up in a car you're an advocate you're talking about it you're sharing it you know you're letting people know that they're that they can live their life their best life even if they've been handed a diagnosis such as this folks i want you to take this seriously because um this decision of being an organ transplant person can save lives. It could be the best decision that you have made. You can help a lot of people, children, you know, elderly. It doesn't matter. Um, it's something that's very important. It's something that needs to be, you know, put thought into. Sherry, I want to thank you. How can a person uh, get in contact with you if they want to be on this list or to find out more? How can they get in contact with you to, to find out more about being an organ donor, um, about lupus? Because you talk about that to, to connect to a support group. What? How can they get in contact with you? I can give you my uh, contact information. Okay. Okay. My, my number is 773. Okay. 793. Okay. 65. Okay. Three six. Wow. And they can text me if they don't want to talk to me because they're just embarrassed or just don't want to talk, you know, personally. Mm -hmm. They can text me and say, you know, I heard you or can you give me some more information? And if they want to really try to do something directly to me, I've had mm -hmm. people call the transplant living donor nurse because I'm going through Rush. Yeah. And yeah. there's also a link that shows my complete story on the kidney register and that I would be able to give them that link. So if they want okay. to just text me, you know, with that to say, yeah, I heard you, then I can go from yeah. there. And also, folks, those of you that love entertainment, arts and entertainment out there, if you want to contact her to get information yeah. about having Whitney come out to perform for your event, for your next event, she, she could be reached at that number also. And I'm telling you, yeah. you better get ready, get ready, get ready, because it is something to see, something to experience. I mean, she takes you to a place. I'm telling you, I've been there, done that and love her. And that's why 
all of this was so important to me for you to hear the story because this is behind the scenes of what happens to the artist. You know, they're doing what they're doing, but you don't know what's going on in their life. And like I said, she's doing all this with heels on. Um, the last show yes. that we attended with to see her, she had just had Dallas as the next day and she's back yeah. on stage playing full out. I mean, she's like the Michael Jordan of this thing. You know what I'm saying? She's not letting up and she will go full time, not cut it short or anything like that. Uh, she will give you a hundred percent. So get in contact with her to find out more about lupus, to find out more about being a, you know, a transplant recipient or something like that, um, because she can let you know. Or if you have an event coming up and you want her to perform at your next show, that information that she gave you is where you can find out more about her. Friends, thank you for listening. We are just about out of time. Um, if you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website for more updates, more information. Sherry's information will be on there too so that you can be able to get in contact with her. You can leave a comment at www.roadtoeternity.net. And remember, you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Use your gift the way that Sherry is to impact the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sherry, for being my special guest. Love Love you, love you, love you, sitting love hugs you. and love, love out to you, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.